Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. To wrap up our 2015 preview shows, Larry Dees welcomes ESPN's Jeff Dickerson to talk everything under the sun about our beloved Chicago Bears and the task ahead in 2015. How will year one under John Fox go? And what is the outlook for the future? All of this and so much more on the All Bears Preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Our ninth and final 2015 preview episode. And I think that I swung for the fences and I hit a grand slam. What's going on, everybody? Larry back for the All Bears preview episode of the Chicago Bears review. We've talked about the AFC West, the NFC West, our same place opponents, every team in the NFC North. We brought in experts, bloggers, people who follow those teams exclusively. And now we bring in Jeff Dickerson from ESPN, ESPN 1000 in Chicago. He's the uh, he's the beat writer for NFL Nation on ESPN, so he follows the team. He spends his time in Hallis Hall. This is the guy that you want to talk to when it comes to asking questions about our beloved Chicago Bears. So after eight episodes of talking about everybody else, number nine is what we're going to spend talking about our Chicago Bears. So I was very excited very very happy that i was able to land jeff dickerson and get him on the show i mean and what a way to cap off this quote-unquote experiment that i've been doing uh with the show this summer you know rather than than going out reading a couple of nfl preview magazines doing some research online and just basically regurgitating everything to you that i learned in my research plus what i know just from being a general nfl fan uh you know from being a, a football fan in general we bring in the people who follow these teams. They're our, it's their Chicago Bears. You know, they're, they are the, the, you know, Jess Root with the Cardinals, uh, Jeremy Reisman with the, with, the, with the Lions, Evan Western with the Packers, and so on. You know, these are the teams that they're jacked for on Sunday afternoon. They're the teams that they live and die with. Uh, when it comes to you know the fall in the NFL and and everything, so um, you know it, I think it was uh, the you know a, 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 it was all an idea, and I'm just so thrilled with how it all turned out. Not only was it fun for me to be doing the shows and talking to these people, but it's been a blast to get feedback from you guys and how much you have appreciated and how much you've enjoyed what I've been doing. And I hope to make it a permanent part of the show going forward. So, you know, like as you've heard me ask everybody up to this point, you know, we play you guys week number six. Uh, you know, I'd love to have you back on, you know, our week six preview episode, talk about where our teams are at that point. And every one of them is thrilled to be able to come back. So I look forward, at least in the preview episodes, to be able to, uh, bring all those people back and talk about uh talk about the the matchups where their teams are what they think that the bears have in store for us and 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 you know in store for them and what they have in store for us uh you know and so on and so forth so looking forward to those conversations and how those are going to go so because because all of this right now it's all hypothetical you know because um you can go in there and you say, well, we drafted this guy. He'll fit in here. We signed this guy. He'll fit in there. And then, you know, every year there are free agency busts. I mean, we fell victim to it a couple of times last year. Uh, you know, Phil Emery signed about seven different safeties. And Ryan Mundy is the last man standing as far as that goes. Um, you know, he signed Lamar Houston and Jared Allen. And neither one of those really delivered on the promise of their potential uh, last year 
and so on with with all that so uh you know free agency busts happen all the time uh draft busts happen all the time you get injuries and things like that you never know how it's going to turn out i mean yeah every year you have your perennial people the patriots the packers now the seattle seahawks are becoming that team uh teams like the colts are under the steelers the ravens always seem to be in the mix the broncos as well uh and so on so i mean you're, you're going to have your teams that are going to be successful regardless but every year there's always a surprise team there's always a team with a first year head coach that comes out of nowhere like dude when we put the season together we put the schedule together we thought they were going to be four and 12 picking in the top three next year and here they are 12 and four they're in the number two seed in their in their conference and they're serious contenders with the way that they're playing so it happens every year so it'll be a lot more interesting to talk to these guys in the season to see like okay well when we talked earlier we said that we were expecting this from the team you said you were expecting this from this team here we are sitting week number seven about halfway through the season how you doing so far what do you think about you know how right or wrong were you uh and so on so i think that's going to make things very interesting um once the season uh progresses and we get deeper and deeper into the year especially for the people we get to talk to twice we get to talk to evan western twice for green bay jeremy reisman for for detroit and of course christopher gates in minnesota hopefully we'll be able to get that time difference schedule uh figured out so i can talk to my friend in germany uh you know during those preview uh episodes so very excited as the season progresses to see what uh what that what what that aspect this new aspect of the show is going to look like uh as we get deeper and deeper into uh 2015 and that becomes a more permanent part of the show having other voices on the show to talk about uh their respective teams so back to the task at hand we have jeff dickerson this was a huge get for our tiny little show, and you know I am uh, beyond thrilled, as I've probably said a half million times already, to, to that he agreed to do this. Basically, it was a shot in the dark. I follow Jeff on Twitter, and I just shout out a, a you know a shout out a message to him on Twitter. Would you be interested in being a guest on my podcast? Talk about the Bears. Um, he he followed me. He DM'd me back. Said he'd be interested. Let's set something up. And we did. And what you're going to hear here in a few minutes is uh, is the the end result of that conversation. Um, I haven't spoken with him yet. I'm actually calling him in about half an hour. I'm recording this before the interview. And, um, you know, we talked about it and it says that, you know, he can probably give us about 30 minutes. So it may be a little bit shorter of an interview uh, than we've had with our with our other uh, friends from SB Nation and and so on. But I'm sure that with the knowledge that he's bringing to bear and his experience and, you know, access with the team, it's going to be a solid, solid 30 minutes. So I've got a lot of questions uh, together for him. Hopefully I can get through as many of them uh, as possible. And, um, you know, I'm really looking, really, really looking forward uh, to this and uh, to see if, uh, you know, I got the chops to hang with an ESPN beat writer as far as an interview uh, is concerned. So I think I've done all right so far with the SB Nation guys. Now I really got to be on my game uh, for Jeff Dickerson and I'm looking forward to it. And I am looking forward to sharing with you and Jeff as well the interesting point or the interesting way in which jeff and i had our paths cross one time before and i'm talking not talking about oh I, you know i met you at a restaurant or we ran into each other at the movies no 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 this is way <laughs> it's way cooler than that and i think everybody will dig uh it will dig that and uh you know if you ever heard the phrase man small world huh that's that will that's the first thing that will come to mind when you hear how jeff and i Jeff Dickerson and I, our paths crossed once before uh, sometime in the past. So all my blathering aside, let's go ahead and get to our main event, my conversation with Jeff Dickerson from ESPN. Okay, and here we are at long last. Jeff Dickerson from ESPN and uh, ESPN Chicago, ESPN 1000. The uh, was it's Jay Hood and Dickerson show. Is that what it's called, Jeff? It's uh, Dickerson and Hood, actually. That's See, right. Only, only last names they give us, no first names. They right. try to make it easier that way, so even we won't forget the show title. Right. Well, welcome to the Chicago Bears Review. It's a big thrill of mine to have you uh, on the show and um, here to talk about our beloved 
uh, Chicago Bears. But before we get to that, I, I promised you in the email when we were going back and forth, I have an interesting story about how our paths crossed one time before, um, and I think that you'll enjoy this. Uh, okay. I was doing I was doing some research on you, kind of getting the background on Jeff Dickerson before ESPN, and I found an article from the Daily Herald uh, last fall, I think September of last year. Kind of did a profile piece on you, and it mentioned that that you were a uh, graduate of Buffalo Grove High School, class of '96. Correct. Okay, and you played football, baseball, and basketball there as well. Yes. Okay. I, too, am also a graduate of the class of 96, but I went to Evanston High School. Oh, boy. Um, I know where this is going. <laughs> week you one. Don't to, of, you don't even have to go too far, Larry. I know, I know right. where this one is going, sadly. Well, so I'll help everyone else out then. Week one of the 1995 season, which would be our senior season, yeah. Buffalo Grove came to Evanston High School, and we played each other in that football game that unfortunately did not turn out too well for the bison of Buffalo Grove uh, that day. So Yes, I remember a, I remember a, very, a very hot day. Yes. I remember that. Uh, I remember I was uh, trying to bring a young sophomore along with punt return, um, and they had two punt return guys back, and we had a bad miscommunication on a punt return early in the second half. And then I had to walk back to the huddle after we turned the ball over and look at all the guys on defense who were basically dying of heat stroke, 95 degrees, being like, well, guys, sorry. You have to have another series out here, I guess, in a row because of me. So, yeah, that, that was a uh, uh, less than memorable moment for us uh, in high school. But that that's so funny because, yeah, that, that was a bad day for us. Great day for Evanston, but bad day for Buffalo Grove. Uh, yes, indeed, especially since our our victory was like, cover of preps plus the next day on the sun times i still have the clippings of our color photos and everything and then in the in the newspaper i also have the scouting report that our coach used to make for us and i found you on the roster jeff dickerson number 46 (laughs) so did did it have any notes with it or just the name nope just jeff dickerson 61 180 defensive back is what it had you listed as on the uh on the roster there so that's correct (laughs) <laughs> yes, just thought that I would uh, bring that up to say once here we are talking about football and once before we shared the gridiron at Evanston Memorial Stadium way back when. So almost yeah. 20 years ago. Can you believe that? 20 years? I can't believe it. Let's hope the Bears this year look more like Evanston that day and a lot less yes. like Buffalo Grove Bison. 35-7 the final score for anyone who was interested. Just putting that out there. Sorry, Jeff. Okay, okay. I remember. I remember. <laughs> yes. So, um... Speaking of, of the Bears, that is why we're here to talk about this team that has gone through a massive change um, from between 2014 and 2015. We got a new GM, a new head coach, a brand new coaching staff, and a plethora of new bodies that have come in uh, through free agency and the draft uh, and so on. You know, and, and the Bears, I, I've you know, been talking to a ton of people over the last couple of months about the team, and every time my opinion is that they are the true wild card of the NFC North because you don't really know what you're going to get from this team because of the new coaching staff. How will Jay Cutler respond to the new coaching staff? What will the new defense look like? You know, in, in the circle you know, that you're in, Jeff, where you're actually the one that follows the team. You, you talk to other beat writers and stuff. What is the opinion out there of what to expect from the Bears in 2015? Yeah, I think you're right, Larry. I think when you look at the North, it would take uh, something to go horribly wrong for Green Bay for the Packers to not be one of the better teams, if not the best team in the division, because quite simply they have the best player in football in Aaron Rodgers. And they had a good offseason. They re-signed a lot of their free agents, most notably Randall Cobb. The Vikings are a very trendy pick to be much improved, and I, I have to agree with that. Just based on what we saw last year with Teddy Bridgewater sort of emerging late in the year, they got a great defensive line in Minnesota, a pretty good secondary. Harrison Smith is a, is a big playmaker at safety for them. You know, Xavier Rhodes, I think, is getting a lot better, and this could be his finest year as a pro, their young cornerback. You know, they've got some weapons on offense for, for Bridgewater. They signed Mike Wallace and then Adrian Peterson coming back. Is obviously a huge lift for them. Yeah. Um, Detroit, I think Detroit, 
they're they're a tough team to figure out too. Um, I mean, they had a good year last year. I wouldn't expect them to be as good this year because we have not seen the line be able to put up consecutive playoff seasons in forever, basically. Uh, but there is a lot of talent on that roster. They lose Sue and they try to replace him with Haloti Nada. I, I don't think that's going to really get done. I think Nada was maybe nearing the end in Baltimore. The Lions had to do something. So I don't think they're going to be the same team. But yeah, the Bears, it, it, is, it is such a mystery. There, there is talent on that team, especially on offense. There yeah. really is. If you look at Forte and Alshon Jeffrey and Martellus Bennett and Kevin White and Eddie Royal, I think has looked great in the offseason. They still like Marquise Wilson. They've got a decent offensive line, but they got to really hope that Slauson and Bushrod can stay healthy. Yep. Cutler is the, is the ultimate unknown because you never know how he's going to play. And defensively, I think the Bears have a long way to go. But, yeah, hey, if, if the defense is just okay and, and the offense finally, like we thought they were going to last year, starts putting up big big points in these games, the Bears could be a surprise team. But, yeah, you, you can ask ten different people their opinion of the Bears, and you're going to probably get a lot of different answers because whenever a new coaching staff comes in and new philosophies enter the building, there's always that element of the unknown, which how is it going to go in year one. Right, exactly. Now, I was looking at NFL.com a couple of weeks ago, and they, they did a, a handful of these power ranking um, polls and, and such. And when it looked to like the future of the franchise, they had the Bears ranked at number 25. However, when they came in you know, about a week or so later and ranked the, the coaching staff or the head coach of each franchise, the Bears made the top 10. John Fox, John Fox was, was number 9. I mean, what do you think of the, the, the disparagement, the, you know, the difference between those two? 25th as far as future, but we got a coach that ranks in the top 10 uh, you know, of the NFL. Well, I, I really believe that, and I've, I've talked to a lot of people about this, I mean, the real star acquisitions of this offseason weren't so much on the field, although I, I do like A. Royal, and I mean, the hope is Pernell McPhee can, can be a dominant pass rusher, and Antrell Roll certainly has looked good so far, but I mean, the real additions were the coaching staff. It yeah. was Fox, it was Vic Fangio, it was Adam Gase, Ed Donatel, so on and so on. So I, I think the ranking for the Bears, as far as their coaches, is, is accurate. The future, well, hey, look, I don't blame them for ranking the Bears that low because look at all the drafts the Bears have had the last couple of years yeah. and how few impact players there are. We talk about Kyle Long, Alshon Jeffrey. I think Kevin White's going to be good. Kyle Fuller was a good pick last year. Mm-hmm. But there have just been so many misses, and that's why Jerry lost his job. That's why one of the reasons that Phil Emery lost his job is because there aren't a great crop of young players on this team. It's up to the coaching staff to develop talent. What I mean is, so Christian Jones, Larry, he's got to be a star. Like they got to make him into a star inside linebacker. Okay. They have to. Fuller, I think, is on that plane where he's, gonna, he's a really good player right now. They need to make him a Pro Bowl player. Mm-hmm. Eddie Goldman, who they drafted, has got to really turn out to be a stout nose tackle in this defense and anchor that defensive line for years to come. Obviously, Kevin White's going to have to be a playmaker. Yeah. You know, Hironis Grasso has got to take over center at some point and be the real strength of that offensive line because if Grasso can eventually move to center and be a really good player, now you can have an easier time moving Kyle Long outside to tackle because the interior of your offensive line is taken care of with Grasso, that's theoretically speaking, of course, but right. that's what needs to happen. So it's going to be all about talent development. Um, and that's something the Bears have struggled with the last few years is, is developing the younger players, a lot of the younger players. So so we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, I think – I, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, it's hard to really forecast the Bears' long-term future because you don't know who the quarterback is going to be in 2016. That's right, yeah. So – hard for me to really say that, hey, the future is super bright. Um, I think this draft class will, will play into that a lot. Mm-hmm. And what they do with some of the younger players from the last two drafts that are kind of hanging out, like, is John Bosick ever going to be a really good guy, player? Right. Uh, I mean, you know, we didn't see him in the offseason program. Where's he going to play? That was a second-round pick, and he's put a lot of tackle numbers up, but he hasn't been very good. He's made a lot of critical 
and crucial mistakes in games being in the wrong spot. So I, I want to see how this coaching staff works with the younger players because that's that's a big reason besides the winning that a lot of them have done. They haven't won Super Bowls, but, I mean, they've, they've won a lot. They're here to get the best out of these younger players so the Bears don't have to fall down that trap that Emory went down in overpaying for veterans. And when you do that, as we all know, that's, that's a real dicey proposition. Right, exactly. So speaking of, of, of the coaching staff, and, and, and more specifically Adam, Adam Gase, he was a hot head coaching pro. I mean, heck, he even, he even interviewed for the job before John Fox did. And from what I understand, he was a disagreement away with the 49ers from taking over there. So let's, let's look at the best-case scenario and say that Adam Gase is the Jay Cutler whisperer, and Jay Cutler has an outstanding, maybe even a Pro Bowl-type season. Do the Bears have a contingency plan in place for the departure of Adam Gase? Or, you know, like maybe one of the other offensive coaches is like the co-offensive coordinator type thing so that there's a smoother transition so that, God forbid, if Cutler's our quarterback in 2016, he's not on his fifth, fifth offensive coordinator or sixth offensive coordinator, seventh brand-new offense. Uh, that, would, that would be a dream for the Bears. If they actually got to that point where Jay plays well this year, it's where Adam Gase gets all this national credit and becomes a head coach. Mm-hmm. I, I think I don't know if there's a plan right now in place for that. I don't think they're looking that far ahead. Right. But um, I think you, what, what you have to trust is, is John Fox has a pretty good track record of picking assistant coaches and coordinators. He, he, he just does. I mean, he's just done a very good job of rounding out his coaching staff in Carolina and in Denver. I know Jay really is close with the quarterback's coach, Dow Loggins. I, I don't know if that would be something they would consider. I don't think he's been a coordinator uh, in this league. Certainly he was in Tennessee for a while, one year in Cleveland as their quarterback's coach. Now he's in Chicago with the Bears. I don't, I don't think that plan has been laid out yet because they're just trying to focus on can we get to the point with Cutler where he really starts playing well and we want to keep them beyond 2015. That, see, to me, going to camp next week, uh, or two weeks from now, excuse me, it, it's all about the quarterback. I mean, you can't, can't pinpoint where this team is going until you know if Cutler is going to be the guy after 20, 2015. And everyone's optimistic about it at the moment. It's been a good offseason, but, you know, we've seen it all happen like this before, and then right. Bears fans get disappointed, so we'll see. Speaking of, of Jay, is, is losing Brandon Marshall a good thing or a bad thing for him? Because on the field, Marshall was almost always his safety net. Whether Marshall was open or not, Jay would generally throw him the ball if nobody else was out there. With Marshall gone, is that going to be Alshon Jeffrey, or is he going to spread the ball around a bit more, do you think? Yeah, oh, I can tell you this. I don't think Jay's worried about Marin and Marshall not being here. I mean, their relationship obviously took a bad hit. So I, I don't think there's any... Um, any remorse, really, on either side. Uh, hmm. I think Marshall is happy in New York until he's, he's Chino Smith trying to throw him the ball. They might not be so happy, but I mean, yeah, he's fine. I mean, Marshall does his own thing, and and Cutler is, I think, very content with with Jeffrey, with White, with Marquise Wilson, with Eddie Royal. I mean, those are four receivers right there. I, I really believe that that the Bears um, are in good shape. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I think of the four, Marquise Wilson has the most proof still. Mm-hmm. But Cutler really does like him. And, uh, you know, I don't know if Wilson can stay healthy. He's still so slightly built. I don't know if he can hold up for an entire year. You don't know with him mentally if he can manage the job either. But from a physical standpoint, you know, he's very tall. He's got good hands. And we thought he was all on the track to start him last year before he, if you remember, broke his collarbone in training camp. Right. But I, I don't think – I don't really think Cutler's going to miss Marshall. I don't, because I really believe Alshon Jeffrey, he's looking to get paid. And yeah. doing this for a long time, when guys are looking Larry to get paid, that brings out the best in them. Right. I think Marshall's going to have a, a fabulous year if he, can, if he can stay healthy, because he does sometimes get plagued by like lingering injuries like hamstring problems and stuff like that. And then Kevin White, you know, he had a little bit of an injury here this summer, should be okay to go for training camp. You know, they, they loved him coming out of West Virginia. People even comparing him to like Larry Fitzgerald, uh, and then Eddie Royal is a guy that again I'm, I'm very excited about Eddie Royal, and I think Bears fans should be too. This is a good player, and he's very versatile. He can play every position. He's got experience. He was productive for San Diego, very productive last year. He could be a return man if necessary. 
and he knows Jay extremely yeah. well. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be much uh, missing of, of Brandon Marshall. I, I really don't. I think Marshall did a good job when he was here. My hat's off to him. Put up some nice numbers, but he just kind of – it was time for him to go. You know, I, I wasn't a big fan of the trade when it happened, especially since so we didn't get much in return for him. But, but going forward, it, it really does kind of look like it was the best way uh, for the Bears to, to move forward there. Now, moving on to the defensive side of the ball, you know, inside linebacker is, is still a, a position of concern for me. Um, and and what the biggest question that I have for as far as position and everything is Shea McClellan. He was, he was an outside linebacker in the 3-4 at Boise State. That's how he got himself to be a first-round pick. We try to make him a defensive end when we draft him into the 4-3. That doesn't work out. We, we send him to the outside linebacker spot. I do not think that was a successful transition for him. And now we move to the 3-4, the defense that made him who he was in college, and we're going to make him an inside linebacker. So how is it that he's still an inside linebacker when we're playing the defense that he was essentially made for? Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a very confusing uh, deal with, with McClellan. I mean, I don't think anything is assured for him. I think I'm writing this next week for ESPN.com. I mean, he's probably one of the top bubble players entering camp. Mm. And they declined his fifth-year option. I mean, there's there's no assurances that he's going to be even on the team this year. Right. But they gave him a shot. They looked at him at inside linebacker this offseason. I'm sure he'll get a, a first look at tra- in training camp. You know Christian Jones, if he stays healthy, is going to be one of those inside linebackers. And I would think Mason Foster has a really good shot to start, too. Right. Uh, he had a good career in Tampa. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows how to play that position. So, yeah, McClellan will, will probably go back, go down as, you know, um, it's been a head-scratcher since they took him, and I don't really see that changing this year unless they untap some hidden potential, and maybe that's where these new coaches come into play. Vic Fangio just finds a way to get the most out of McClellan, but – the difference now is, you know, there's no one on the team to protect him anymore. You know, Emery would go out of his way to praise him because that was his first pick. Right. So there was a sentimental attachment to Shea that doesn't exist right now. He's just another guy. And if he doesn't play really well this summer, he might not make the 53. Now, speaking of, of, of the defense and this transition, as a Chicagoan, you know, you grew up in the Chicago area, as did I, um, the, the the entire history of the Bears and their defense is four three, especially with the the reputation that the Bears have for putting middle linebackers in the Hall of Fame. I mean, Erlacher, I think he's coming up in the next couple of years. He's going to be a candidate again with Singletary and Bill George and and so on um, with the with the you know middle linebacker. Now we're moving to a three four as a Chicagoan, not as a reporter or someone who follows the team. As a Chicagoan, a fan of the team, how are you feeling about us switching to a three four? I'm okay with it because I, I just believe that um, the most important thing for any defense to do is to pressure the quarterback. And I just don't think the Bears can pre- have pressured the quarterback well enough since Lovey's last year. Right. And that's just the bottom line. And, you know, everything changes. You know, Erlacher's gone. Briggs is gone. So I, I'm, I'm fine with it, really, because I just I think the Bears need to be less predictable on defense. They got to start sacking the quarterback. I mean, after Willie Young last year, you know what? Jared Allen had what five and a half sacks, something like that. Yep. Ratliff had a, one really good game against Miami. <laughs> it was just very disappointing. So I, I'm okay. You know, the nostalgia is great, but I think the Bears, this franchise, is the Trevor franchise, to have only qualified for one Super Bowl in going on 30 years and having haven't won a Super Bowl since, you know, almost 30 years. Yeah. Uh, that's just unacceptable. So I I like history and tradition, but I think the Bears need to start a better tradition of actually winning and being a perennial playoff team. If that means going to a 3-4, so be it. Yeah, I was, I was talking with a friend of mine uh, last night, and, you know, the reason that I'm excited about Ryan Pace uh, as the general manager is his resume or the, you know what he did in New Orleans. Not only was you know he on the staff that went to the Super Bowl, but you know built a team that's been perennially in the playoffs almost his entire tenure that he was with the 
the team. And I think that as Bear fans, we would take that. We would that's what we would quote unquote settle for is that maybe the Bears don't have to win the division every year, but the, we want them in the playoff discussion every season. Maybe they make it as a wild card this year, win the division next year, that kind of thing, as opposed to just kind of being one of those teams. The last few times the Bears have qualified for the playoffs, they had to win the division to do it, and they were either the one or the two seed, one of the dominant teams in their conference, only to falter uh, in, the, in the playoffs. I think that we would be much happier if we were – you know, maybe we made it a couple years in a row where the five seed or the wild card, but we're in the playoffs because once you're in, as the Giants and the Steelers and such have proven in the past, once you're in, anything is possible. No, no doubt about it. I mean, that's that's the whole goal here is to start making the playoffs on a consistent basis, be like the Packers, who are always in the playoff conversation. Now, Green Bay has the huge edge mm-hmm. because they have such a better quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's that's the whole point here. And you know, Ryan Pace was still trying to figure him out. Um, you know, very young, obviously, as far as GMs go. Uh, he's leaning very heavily on what John Fox wants to do. And really, I don't blame him. Some people might take a shot at Ryan Pace for kind of just doing whatever Fox wants. But uh, if I was in that situation and I was a first-time GM and I had hired a very successful, experienced 60-year-old head coach, I'd probably take his advice quite a bit too. So, you know, I, I think it's it's very early for Ryan Pace. I think he's heavily influenced by these coaches, but I'm sure he's going to grow on the job and hopefully he's going to be here for, for a long, long time. Uh, we've seen what GMs do to get fired and it would be nice now <laughs> to see what, you know, a GM can do to, to keep his job. Jerry was here for nine years and that's a pretty good run. Yeah, I think that would be uh, hopefully, um, and Bears fans might not like this, but I mean, understand what I'm saying here. Let's hope Brian Pace uh, resembles Jerry Angelo a lot more than he does uh, Phil Emery, because trust me, I covered both, and people can rip Angelo's draft classes, and he did a bad job, uh, certainly at the end. But boy, it was that was a much better era of, of Bears football than the one we saw in the last couple. Of years. Yes, indeed. Yeah, as much as we. Uh... As much as we, you know, want to hate on on Angelo and and his uh, his shortcomings, it 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 was the Lovey's era was, for lack of a better term, a successful one. If we weren't always in the playoffs, but we were at least competitive, and that's something that we weren't under Tressman and uh, and well, the last two years. I mean, the, in 2012 with Emory, that was you know a pretty good year. Well, the Bears were an embarrassment. I mean, they never yeah. saw. I mean, I don't think the franchise ever really embarrassed itself with Jerry and Lovey. Yeah. Even with Victor on, I mean, there were some bad. There was a bad moment, certainly. Yeah. There was controversy, but just to be an absolute laughing stock and have guys completely mail it in and have no authority and no respect and just this crazy paranoia circulating through the building that never happened with Jerry. So it, trust me when I say this, I covered both uh, the Angelo era. I look back on those years with fond memories. The last couple of seasons, n- not so much. Yeah, no, I I definitely feel that. and and it's it's a validation to hear you say that because that's what I've been feeling on the outside as the armchair quarterback watching it on TV. But to know that someone who is in the building watching it unfold feels exactly the same way lets me know I, I feel good about being on the same page there. Now speaking of that, you know, and and starting with the you, you mentioned Jay Ratliff's game with Miami, and that of course brings up the whole uh, argument and everything that broke out at the end of the. Uh, the football game and just the vibe of the team. What is what is it like now? I mean, even a year ago at this time, even before the disaster that was the 2014 season, what's the the vibe like in the locker room in contrast to what it was a year ago at this time? Well, I can't. It couldn't be worse. Uh, There's no there was nowhere to go but up. That's number one. Right. Um, number two, I think also I have to remember that in the off season it's much more relaxed because there's no pressure on anybody. Yeah. So it's much easier for guys to get along and to say they buy in so i mean off-season vibes you know i i, I kind of take with a grain of salt i can tell you that there's a lot more hope and there's a lot more optimism that things are going to be run better but until we actually get to the season i don't know the one thing fox clearly has that mark Tresta unfortunately did not is he's got a track record of success being a head coach in this league so if you're if you're on the fence about buying in, I mean, John Fox has never won a Super Bowl. He's not in that category of coach, but he's been to two. 
And the Broncos were very good every year. Yes, they had Peyton Manning, of course, but they did win four AFC West titles. And the one year he got, you know, got done with Tebow in the playoffs. Right. Um, so, that, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot more respect for authority and a lot more confidence that the coaching staff kind of knows what it's doing and is going to put the players in the best position to win. So, yeah, I mean, guys are feeling good, but, you know, let's see what happens in September, October, November especially when they start losing games, that's the true test of a team. How does the team react when they face real adversity during the regular season? Because everybody does. We'll know more then, but I would say as far as Fox goes, you know, so far so good. Right, right. Okay, a couple more questions for you. Um, the, the, I was just reading before we started talking that there are 29 players on the roster right now that are either on one-year deals or in the final year uh, of their contract. I think most notably would have to be Matt Forte. Uh, going sure. into the last year of that contract that he fought so hard for to get from, you know, almost held out of training camp and things like that and, and, and everything, to, to get that deal from Jerry Angelo uh, and such. He's going into the last year of his contract. He, you know, skipped some OTAs just to kind of like make a point about, you know, his future with the team. And he even mentioned that maybe I won't be wearing a Bears uniform in 2016. Um mm-hmm. You know, the, the draft of Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Langford, we got Kadeem Carey, we signed Jacquez Rogers. You know, it's been Fox's M.O. that he's doing a running back by committee thing. Is that what the Bears are trying to do, or are we cushioning the blow for the possible loss of Forte next year? Yeah, I, I don't know if Forte is going to be back. I could see him leaving, definitely. But I think Forte is, is doing it right this offseason. I, I mean, he's completely committed to having a good year. Because it benefits him to have a good year. Right. He wants to keep playing. He wants to get paid. I don't know if the Bears are going to be willing to spend a lot of money at that position. Because, like you mentioned about Fox's MO, they mm-hmm. like, I mean, Langford was a fourth round pick. But again, this is only an off season workout program, but he certainly looks like a pretty strong guy. He's got some speed. He will be, I believe, probably the backup to Forte this year. I don't know about Kadeem Carey. I thought he was kind of disappointing last year, except for that one game against the Packers. He was very good. Wasn't used a ton either, so maybe that's not fair right. to say disappointing. But he didn't he didn't do enough to convince them to put him on the field more last year. Um, you know, they got Jacqueline Rogers, like you mentioned. They got a bunch of backs and Oris Perry, who you know might not make, probably won't make the team this year, or is certainly on the bubble. So, yeah, I, I think running back the future there. Is probably going younger, but I, I still believe Forte is like probably the best player on the team, or one of the best players on the team, and I would expect him to have a very good season. Although I would be surprised if he plays the amount of snaps he played last year. I think his workload will be decreased some because they definitely want to get the younger backs like Langford on the field. That would be my expectation going in how would you grade our schedule this year i mean I, I, it's it's a heck of a schedule that john fox is walking into uh the afc west the nfc west two very tough divisions um we start the first three games when the schedule came out i just like green bay arizona then at seattle like that we could easily be zero and three after the first three games of oh the yeah season. Like, going yeah, forward from yeah. there it doesn't get much prettier but you know how would you rank the schedule that the Bears have, or how would you grade it? You know, coming into this season, I would give it a U for unfortunate. Yeah, yeah it's pretty unfortunate schedule. I, hey, look, I, you never know. I mean, teams could suffer key injuries in training camp. You know, maybe. Well, I, I don't think Green Bay. Is. Green Bay is going to be tough. At least it's at home for the Bears. That's going to be tough. Arizona, I would. I'm assuming is going to be very good again this year, but you you just never know. Plus, yeah. their quarterback is coming back from injury, so. It, it's up in the air, um, but I, I would say it's it's a tough schedule, and I think the division's going to be pretty tricky too. The Packers and the Vikings and and the Lions are are you know still very much a talented team with a talented quarterback, and they still have Calvin Johnson. So yeah, I think I think the schedule makers really did the Bears no favors. But hey, that's just how it goes. Everyone has to deal with the schedule, and I, I don't think the Bears will use that as an excuse. But I would say the odds of them getting off to a really good start compared to getting off to a somewhat rocky start, I, I don't think it's uh, they're very favorable. I, I would probably lean towards more getting off to a slower start 
just on based just based on the caliber of opponent that they're going to be playing early on. Yeah, that's uh, definitely and and also again with the schedule makers doing no favor. Um, Thanksgiving night at Green Bay on Brett Favre retirement jersey night. Ooh, that's a bad one. I've been saying all along, it's like the football gods, just there's no way they're going to let the Bears win that one. That's just not going to happen. We'll get some of those funny bounces that always seem to show up in Green Bay games. The you know, Regardless of how well Green Bay's playing, something's going to happen. They're going to win that game. It's just not going to go down that way. So, um, Well, Jeff, I got one last question for you because I know that you're uh, short on time. Um, you know, long time, you know, you grew up in the area, so I obviously I'm assuming that you grew up a Bears fan. Um, and I've been asking everybody as a fan of the team, what's a, a moment in Bears history that stands out for you, whether you were in the stadium, watching at home on TV with your dad, you know, and so on. What's a moment that stands out for you? Well, I've been very lucky to cover the team for 10 plus years. Yeah. And I've been very fortunate to be at every game home on the road for ESPN. Uh, I have a lot of memorable moments. I, I would say the most memorable was Super Bowl 41, you know, covering the game in Miami uh, when Devin Hester returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. I yeah. thought that was just unbelievable. That was pretty sweet. And uh, I thought for sure they were going to win after that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, there was some rain and some wrecks and some bot snaps and some bad picks. And oh, that was yeah. the end. But, that was awesome. Just, just because, again, you know, you are, you have to be impartial doing the job that I do. But I don't make it a secret. I'm from Chicago. I grew up in Chicago, so obviously I like football growing up. Obviously, I wasn't going to be a fan of a different team. Mm-hmm. So of course, I was a fan of the Bears growing up. Um, but I, I would say that moment, I remember, I remember them clinching the division back in 2006 at Lambeau Field. When Lance Briggs intercepted a Brett Favre pass, that was that was a very it was a sound win for the Bears, but uh, or maybe that was 05, excuse me, not 06, 05. Um, they they quit the division at Lambeau, and uh, you know the playoff win against the Seahawks and and the 2010 regular season was certainly memorable. You know Cutler to Greg Olson early on, you kind of knew it was the Bears. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna pull it out, but then uh, you know uh, it, it got a little. Uh, a little dicey there at the end. And, uh, yeah, just, just the whole run through 2006 was very enjoyable. I mean, this I've been very lucky. I, I have really been fortunate to get to know and cover some great players. And that era from 05 to 08 was as enjoyable as, as it can get. And I still keep in touch with most of those guys even to this day. And uh, that was really special. You know, the last few years – it hasn't been as, as, I guess, memorable. Right. You know, covering the NFL has changed a lot. You know, the Bears make it very difficult to cover them nowadays. But I'll always have those memories from, from back in the day. And that was special stuff. And hopefully before I get moved off the beat or do something else, the Bears will go back to another Super Bowl because covering the team you cover for a living in the Super Bowl is probably one of the greatest experiences any reporter can have. Yeah, I bet. And, and and unfortunately for me, I started doing this show the year after they went to the Super Bowl. So from 07 until now <laughs> is how I've been doing this show. One trip to the playoffs and losing the NFC title game to Green Bay of all teams. Uh, not exactly, you know, how I want uh, my tenure with the show to, to go. So, um, so Jeff, I know we got to, you know, you got to run. So I thank so much uh, for, for being on the uh the show, and then I hope to have you on the show again sometime, maybe uh, during the bye week and the season to kind of, uh, you know, compare notes on where we think the Bears are at the midway point in the season. You bet, Larry. Let's, let's, let's plan on that. And thanks for everything, and thanks for the memory lane down that hot day in Evanston back yeah. in 1995. 1995. Uh, going to be sad all day thinking about that muff one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff, thanks so much. You be uh, you have a great day, all right? All right, buddy. You take care. We'll talk Thank soon. You. Okay, bye-bye. Well, there you have it. From the beat writer, from the team himself, Jeff Dickerson from ESPN. And uh, that was just, that was awesome. That was, uh, that went uh as well, if not better, than I had hoped it would. Uh, 
you know i was actually nervous for those first few minutes that i was talking to him i i actually had the butterflies which is is fun it actually it is to uh to do that so it was a lot of fun uh i enjoyed his reaction to our story about us being old high school football uh enemies if you will or opponents uh that one very hot day uh in evanston it was one of those days where they added an extra timeout to the game in the first half and in the second they may have done it in, each, in all of four quarters but there was an extra timeout during the game to get water on the field for no other reason than to, to water the players that were on the uh, on the field. That's how hot it was that day. I think it was uh, 95, 96, which, you know, it, and we played our day. We played our games Saturday afternoon. We didn't play Friday nights that our stadium at home. It has lights now, but it didn't uh, when we were playing. And, um, you know, so we were playing two o'clock on Saturday afternoon was kickoff for us. So that was, you know, that was basically, you know, anyone who knows science or whatever, the sun is at its highest point around 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So at 95 degrees at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, you know, last weekend in August, it was unbearable outside. And, uh, you know, the heat didn't seem to bother us as much as it did Buffalo Grove that day, but it was stiflingly hot. And I do have the paper clippings of uh, – of our victory over Buffalo Grove. I have the color photos of our running back running away from the Bison defense that day. It was a very good day uh, for us. So uh, very surprising in the results because Buffalo Grove was a good football team and we weren't supposed to beat them like that, but luckily uh, we did. So it was a good day uh, for us wild kits of Evanston to, uh, to come away with a big victory like that, especially when, the 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 sun times and the tribune uh the two big newspapers in chicago were in attendance uh for that football game so uh anyway you know you you heard what jeff had to say uh i loved his comment about our our schedule you for unfortunate uh that's pretty much how we've been looking at the schedule since it came out uh didn't get to touch upon the fact that fox coming from the afc west does he think that might give us any kind of advantage on facing those four teams especially the broncos but um you know we'll we'll, we'll just kind of uh sit and hope that that it does serve as an advantage for us because he knows these opponents very well having spent the last four years playing them twice a season so um and uh, actually he played the chargers three times one year because they ended up playing the Chargers in the divisional round of the playoffs i think two years ago so you know, we'll uh, we'll see if that ends up being something that uh, Fox can use to the familiarity, at least Fox can use to his advantage, uh, you know, as the season progresses. Uh, interesting comments about Shea McClellan, um, you know, especially didn't really expect to hear him say much about the, the, the turmoil that was between uh, Marshall and and uh, and Jay Cutler. Uh, he did touch upon that for a bit. That was interesting. Uh, as well but but overall a fantastic conversation had a great time uh, talking to Jeff once the nerves settled down I kind of eased into it it was uh, it was great it really really was so I want to thank him uh, so much uh, for doing that and I really do hope that we can hook up together and and uh, get him on the bye week show uh, to kind of summarize the first half uh, of the season and uh, see if it's a, if it's a conversation where we're optimistically looking forward to the last nine games of the season or if we're just trying to salvage the dumpster fire that is the 2015 season and, and try to salvage somewhat of a, a you know semblance of a positive year uh, as we're basically playing for 500 uh, to go into the last half of the season so we'll see what that conversation sounds like uh, after week seven and uh, on that week eight bye week that the, or is it week week seven that the Bears are on the bye this year? No, it is week seven. It is week seven. So uh, we'll play six games and then we'll have week seven off and then we'll play the last uh, looks like the last ten actually. So um, you know, so used to the Bears having uh, either split down the middle or you know fewer games left at the end of the bye week. But um, so there it is, folks nine shows previewing the upcoming season uh 2015 we've talked about the afc west the nfc west our same place opponents and all of the teams in the nfc north including our chicago bears i want to once again thank everyone uh jess root uh Lori latimore volkman uh evan western 
uh, Jeremy Reisman, uh, Christopher Gates, Mike Harar, Sander Phillips, everyone that came on the show and talked to me uh, about our opponents and the schedule, and of course Jeff Dickerson uh, for being on the show today to talk about the Bears uh, and, and going forward. Looking forward to having all of them back, plus everyone that we didn't get a chance to talk to uh, for the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Rams, and then on the and at AFC West side, the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Chargers hope to get all of them on the show for the preview episodes uh, going into the uh, into the season. So, um, you know, pretty much from now until after that first week of uh, the preseason, we're on a break. So after shoving nine episodes down your throat in the last two and a half weeks, you guys finally get a break. So enjoy this little vacation. We got a couple of weeks between now and uh, when training camp begins on the, I believe, the 30th uh, of, of July. So two weeks from yesterday is when the Bears finally report. Uh, our first uh, game is uh, about 10 days or so after that. We open up at home against the Miami Dolphins. Then we play the Colts. Then we've got the Bengals uh, for the dress rehearsal game, and then we finish at home with the Cleveland Browns before we finally kick things off with Green Bay week one at Soldier Field. So it's going to happen fast once it does, and uh, you know, looking forward to uh, getting into the season, not only to see what these Bears are going to be, but to see how the show is going to be this time. And you know, really want to incorporate those guests into the show and uh, see how it all kind of unfolds uh from there really liking how the show is progressing um you know now that i'm finally finally introducing some other people besides my sweet majestic voice uh to your beautiful eardrums you get to hear what other people sound like uh besides me so uh uh anyway i think that's going to do it for the final preview episode the all bears preview episode of the chicago bears review we'll be back in a few weeks after that miami game to see what the bears look like after the first preseason game against the miami dolphins and uh, look forward to the game against the colts what the shared practices between the bears and colts are going to be like and then of course that big dress rehearsal game i hope i get to watch it i'm actually going to be in las vegas that weekend and i'm really looking forward to that uh, a couple of friends of mine and i here in the area uh won the uh regionals for trivia and we're actually going to for trivia of all things i'm going to trivia to, to play for the trivia national championship in in las vegas the weekend of the dress rehearsal game and it's at uh, like two in the afternoon, which would be like four. So I don't know if I'm going to be done with the competition in time to see that Bears Bengals game. So the biggest game of the preseason, I might miss parts of it or all of it, uh, trying to win myself uh, $20,000 in uh, Las Vegas for trivia night. So, hey, you know, whatever. I'm going to Vegas and I'm going to spend the weekend out there. It's going to be awesome. So, anyway. We'll see you back after the Miami game to, uh, to talk about any kind of early happenings in training camp, how the Bears looked in that first look against the Miami Dolphins, and so on. So enjoy the break. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.